And welcome in everyone to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. On this edition, Blake will discuss a return to sports as he covers UFC 249, the return of NASCAR, and discusses the NFL release schedule, breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles 2020 schedule. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode 111, begins right now. Jokes already know that they in too, so you better come in tune in. Cause you know what this about. Gonna make you scream and shout with all the nasty news. This the dynasty, cause you don't know the breaking rules. Telling you what it do's, giving you the insight. You best believe they're doing it right every day and every night. Only question is, yo, is you ready to take flight? Greetings, greetings. Welcome in everybody to Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. This is episode 111. How's it going, everybody? Your host, Blake Plonsky, hanging here with you, doing a late-night recording, actually, in my studio, as I wanted to get this episode out to you guys, as this is a big time in the sports world for us sports fans. If you're just tuning in, don't know the show, and you're thinking, well, why? Blake, why? Well, the return of actual sports. We've been without sports for so long, and we're all craving it. We're dying for it, myself included. This weekend, the return of sports with the UFC 249 pay-per-view, which I will be previewing. Next weekend, the return of NASCAR, albeit without fans, but there will be racing other than in the simulator with iRacing, which I have actually enjoyed, by the way, actually quite a bit. And so, while we slowly crawl forward to a semblance of normalcy, or getting back to uh, some semblance of what we think life is, as we try to battle the coronavirus, and I hope that everyone is staying safe and staying protected out there, doing their part with social distancing, with uh, the states in the United States, if you don't live here, In the United States of America, for my worldwide listeners, we are currently slowly but surely lifting uh, stay-at-home orders in the 50 states. Each state is doing something different. So as far as uh, the protocol of the lifting of the stay-at-home orders, how they want to go about it. But as we do that and we figure out what the coronavirus is going to do, how we're going to handle it, and how we're going to react, or how the coronavirus will react to us. Though, we are getting to a semblance of normalcy with the return of sports. And I know that not only myself, 
But so many of you out there in listener land and around the entire world are so happy for that. Without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Your host, Blake Plonsky here, hanging with you. I'm flying solo tonight, recording uh, late at night tonight, but I wanted to get this episode out to you, so let's do it. First up, the return of the first sport, mixed martial arts, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Ultimate Fighting Championship returning after, I believe, it was a two-month hiatus, give or take, maybe one, one month at minimum, two months total. Uh, and they will be returning this weekend with UFC 249. And man, am I excited. Well, I've got my notes here. Let's go. The first fight on the card. Got to scroll up here. All the way to the top. All right. Opener. Greg Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Jorgen DeCastro is 6-0. and the 43rd ranked heavyweight via Tapology, and all six wins have come via a KO finish. Now, Jorgen DeCastro has some good kicks as shown in prior fights. He'll be able to keep Greg Hardy at bay. He's got heavy hands, most heavyweights do, and as he's shown that he's had some of his fights have to go into the later rounds, Uh, the third round and such, he has shown that he has somewhat of a gas tank, hopefully to be able to outlast one Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, as everybody knows, some people still love the guy, some people hate the guy. He is 5-2, the number 36th ranked heavyweight via Tapology. All five wins have come via a KO finish. For Hardy, his athletic background and his abilities, uh, he's training with uh, ATT, which is an American top team. Uh, for those of you who do not know the insights of MMA or even uh, know the names of gyms, I think ATT is good for Greg Hardy with that, as I said, his athletic background and his abilities. I think because ATT, not to say that all they do is stand up, but they're known for it, for a, a stand-up mentality of how they go about training. And obviously, every gym goes about training in a different way, and every gym trains in every aspect of the sport. But ATT, American Top Team, has uh, that reputation, if that's the way that you want to put it. Coming down to it, I'm actually going to surprise some people here. Give me Jorgen DeCastro in an upset. Second bout. Kelvin Katar versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, this fight, along with Greg Hardy and Jorgen DeCastro, uh, I didn't mention this, I just jogged my own memory. The Greg Hardy fight uh, and DeCastro fight has been scheduled and canceled twice. So third time's the charm there. And I believe the same thing is for Kelvin and Jeremy. I believe this is the third time, so third time's the charm, and maybe even more so. Because I know I've heard of this fight more than once. And then it got scrapped once, heard of it again, it got scrapped again. So hopefully all goes well with the leading up to this fight. For me, 
This is going to be a slugfest, everybody. If you've watched these guys fight at all, both of them, they both like to stand and trade. They can go to the ground as with their, as with their ground game, their rankings in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I will get into in a moment here, but these guys do like to stand and trade, and if I may be so bold, I honestly think that both these guys like getting punched in the face. You would think to fight in a combat sport like boxing, kickboxing, MMA, what have you, uh, you would have to like getting uh, hit in the face at least, at least just a little bit. Am I right? <laughs> All right. Either way, uh, Qatar is 20 and 4. Nine wins via, coming via KO, three wins via submission, and eight wins via decision. He is the eighth ranked, I believe they're lightweights. I did not uh, write this down. I apologize. The eighth lightweight via topology. He is a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He has wins over Shane Burgos and Ricardo Lamas. Last fight that he had, he lost uh, to Zabit Magomed Sharipov. And those of you, uh, I don't even want to say longtime listeners, but more recent as Zabit has come onto the scene, Zabit Magomed Sharipov is one of my favorite fighters in the entire sport of MMA right now. Jeremy Stevens is 28 and 17. 19 wins via KO, 2 wins via submission, 7 wins via decision, and is the number 7th ranked lightweight via tapology. So they're right right there, uh, Qatar being the number 8 ranked, ranked, excuse me, and Jeremy Stevens being the 7, 8 and 7. Jeremy Stevens is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with wins over Dennis Bermudez. Uh, Ronan Brow, Gilbert Mel- and Gilbert Melendez. But Jeremy Stevens is currently on a three loss and one no contest streak. So if somebody to win right now, it's Jeremy Stevens. But he is a guy that you can never count out. Let me tell you that. Jeremy Stevens has been around since I've been watching MMA. For those of you newer listeners to the show, I've been watching MMA for more than half of my lifetime. I love the sport. Stevens has been around for a minute and then some. We'll just leave it there. This one is hard to gauge because I know that either can win. They're sitting there standing. They're trading shots. And and it can happen in a flash. A flash KO. All it takes is one punch. That's how combat sports works. I'm just going to have to close my eyes and do a dart at the dartboard. And I'm going to say Jeremy Stevens wins. Third bout on the card. Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho. Uh, I did not practice that last name. I cannot even attempt it. Normally... You listeners know that I'm good with names. I can't even begin to attempt that one without practice. So I will just call him Jozinho for now. Francis Nkanu is 14-3, 10 wins via KO, 
four wins via submission, is the number two ranked heavyweight via tapology, and Ganu is on a three-fight win streak with wins over many fighters. There's a couple of fighters that I left out because he does have so many wins over guys that have that that are of name value to those who are casual fans to MMA, like Andre Arlovsky, Alistair Overeem, Curtis Blades, Cain Velasquez, and Junior Dos Santos. Francis Nkanu has never been stopped in his entire career, meaning that his three losses have come via decision. He's never been knocked out, never been submitted. On to Jerzinho. He is 10-0, with nine wins coming via KO, one coming via decision, is the number ninth ranked heavyweight via tapology. He is undefeated with wins over Alistair Overeem and Andre Arlovsky, respectively. So both heavyweights have beaten uh, common opponents. He was a kickboxer in his earlier years before he transitioned to mixed martial arts. In kickboxing, he had a record of 76-8 and eight, with 64 wins coming via knockout. I am tempted to pick Jarzino, Jarzinho here. I really am. I'm going to play it safe and pick Francis Ngannou. The co-main event. For the bantamweight title of the world, your champion, Henry Cejudo, versus a returning to action, Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is 22-2, with 8 wins coming via KO, 1 win via submission, 13 wins via decision, and is the 26th ranked fighter, uh, uh, bantamweight fighter, rather, excuse me, via tapology. The first fight for Dominic Cruz since a loss on December 30th, 2016, before he was on a 13-fight win streak. Now, casual fans, some who may not follow mixed martial arts but listen to the show here, may think, Blake, well, why hasn't he fought since? Dominic Cruz has had one of the worst lucks with injury that I can remember for an athlete. He suffered many injuries to uh, to his career that have had him encounter an extended layoff. I believe one was an ankle. There's a couple of knees in there. Um, It's a long list. Let me just say that. It's a long list. That's why he hasn't fought in almost uh, four years. Dominic Cruz is a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's truly beat the who's who in the bantamweight division. And I didn't even bother to write down the names because it's... It's a long list, and it would take me a minute to run through it. If you want to look it up, that's okay. This is not meant to, to uh, disrespect Dominic Cruz. I am saying that he's beaten the who's who of the division and then some. Even more so than anything else that I could tell you, he was the last person to beat Demetrius Johnson before Demetrius Johnson went down from bantamweight to flyweight and began his amazing run in the UFC flyweight division before getting beaten by Henry Cejudo, before Cejudo moved up to bantamweight. 
Uh, did, did everybody follow me there? So Dominic Cruz, before Demetrius Johnson got beat by Henry Cejudo at flyweight, Demetrius Johnson was a bantamweight, and Dominic Cruz, before Demetrius Johnson's long, so, so impressive win streak, Dominic Cruz was the last one to beat him. So don't sleep on Dominic Cruz. Some people like to laugh at Cruz, his injury history. I don't know why you would laugh at injuries. That's poor taste. That's bad form. I don't get it. Some people like to laugh at him. I like Dominic Cruz. His personality might be rough around the edges. Uh, For those out there in listener land, Henry Cejudo's personality is worse. And not to, I'm not going to snipe at the guy personally. I'm just going to talk about his personality. If you watch Henry Cejudo in interviews, it's very cringeworthy. It's like Colby Covington. Henry Cejudo is how you would say trying too hard. There's a thing. There's a way that your personality comes off naturally, everybody. As a broadcaster, I have a booming voice. I'm told that people enjoy listening to me talk. It flatters me. It truly does. It, it, it fills me with such good feeling to hear those things. You can hear my personality. I'm a fun-loving guy. I, I don't let too much get to me. But I'm not like that. Just look a little deeper into Henry Cejudo and you'll see what I mean. And you'll notice the moment where Henry Cejudo went from a guy who doesn't talk to a manufactured personality that is, I don't have any other way to put it, but uh, fake. Yes, I'm saying Henry Cejudo is a fake human being. His personality is fake. If you look at how he acted beforehand, before he won the title, it was before he won the title. When he won the title, he changed. For the worse, mind you, I cannot stress that enough. But he's a fake person. Anywho, Henry Cejudo is 15-2. Seven wins via KO, eight wins via decision, and obviously the number one ranked bantamweight via tapology, of course. He is a gold medalist in the 2008 Beijing Summer Olympics in wrestling and a yellow belt in Shotokan Shotokan Karate. He is on a five-fight win streak and has beaten Demetrius Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, to end his long run, avenging his loss to, to, to Demetrius Johnson two years prior. So to run that through there, if you did not catch that, Henry Cejudo beat Demetrius Johnson in their second matchup. In their first matchup two years prior to Henry Cejudo beating Mighty Mouse, uh, Demetrius Johnson beat him then. Uh, just so uh, everyone was following there. Henry Cejudo has also beaten Wilson Reyes, Sergio Pettis, TJ Dillashaw, and Marlon Morais. I'm going to take Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz wants no part of being on the ground with Henry Cejudo 
And yes, by saying that, it could also be said that water is wet. I know. Has to be said. I'm... Because of Dominic Cruz's injury history, I'm a little worried about him getting in the cage now. Not to say that he hasn't been training. He's tried. He loves fighting. He's, he's been scheduled before, has had to pull out due to, due to these injuries that crop up seemingly all the time. I just hope that Dominic Cruz can get through this fight unscathed, mind you. I, I mean, I'm a little worried about it. I can't, I got to call a spade a spade, everybody. I'm a little worried about it. That said, Dominic Cruz is the veteran here. People forget that because Dominic Cruz hasn't fought in four years. People who have come lately to the sport due to Conor McGregor or, you know, whoever it may be, and you might not be so in depth with the knowledge of the sport, and that's fine. I don't mean that as a slight to anybody. I'm just talking out loud. Dominic Cruz is so skilled. He's so skilled, especially in the stand-up game. As long as he can stay away from Henry Cejudo's takedowns, which which is a a tall order. I mean, again, Olympic gold medalist in in wrestling in 2008. I mean, that says it all right there. Can Dominic Cruz stuff Henry Cejudo's takedowns? I don't think so. But can he stay at range and stay away from him? I think he, I mean, it's, it's not impossible to think that he can't, right? So I'm going to go with the upset of upsets here. Only because Dominic Cruz hasn't been seen other than in the color commentary position in the UFC booth. I'm saying Dominic Cruz upsets Henry Cejudo here. And finally, your main event for the interim, I say interim in giant air quotes here, even though nobody can see it. Interim lightweight title. Tony Ferguson carrying around an interim title, blah, 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 blah. A supposed, basically said without saying it, set up without without being set up, and just basically a a unwritten matter of fact, I guess is the best way that I can put it. This is the number one contender match for current lightweight champion. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Tony Ferguson, your interim champion, versus Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is 21 and 2, 18 wins via KO, one, ca- uh, one excuse me, one win via submission, two wins via decision. He is the number 4 ranked lightweight via tapology. He is on a 3-fight win streak, beating James Vick, Edson Edson Barbosa and Donald Cerrone. Before his come to the UFC, he ran through the World Series of Fighting, which is now uh, the Professional Fighters League. Uh, for those of you who want to look it up, just a change of name, change of company, that kind of thing. He went 10 and 0 in the World Series of Fighting and held 
Uh, the lightweight title from event number eight to event number 34, where he never lost the title. He was never beaten for it. He vacated it and jumped to UFC. So, Tony Ferguson is 20, th- uh, excuse me, 25 and 3, 12 wins via KO, 8 wins via submission, and 5 wins via decision. His lone stoppage was a submission, a submission loss all the way back in 2009. Tony Ferguson is currently on a 12-fight win streak dating back to 2013. So Tony Ferguson is effectively on a, uh, do my math quickly in my head, an eight-year rather win streak. He won the interim lightweight title on October 7th, 2017 in a win over Kevin Lee. Tony Ferguson is a 12th Planet Black Belt under the tutelage of one Eddie Bravo, of which, fun fact for everybody who does not know, there are only 100 10th Planet uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belts in the entire world. Tony Ferguson was number 89 to receive his of those 100. So you know, anybody that knows anything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu knows that obtaining a 12th planet black belt from Eddie Bravo or one of his uh, uh, tutelage, uh, understudy trainers, tutelages, uh, only 100 of them in the world, uh, that means something. Uh, it, you got to call a spade a spade. It means a lot, especially in the world of uh, combat sports. And not exactly someone that you want to meet in a dark alley. Let's just say that. I like Justin Gaethje. I always have. But this is not, it's not uh, 2012 anymore. It's not 2012. Leading up to this fight, some people keep thinking that. And I keep, and I keep sitting back in my chair in my studio thinking about it and then I go what are we time travel did did, did we did I jump in a time machine like while sleepwalking or did I go through a time rip that I never noticed or this isn't to disrespect Justin Gaethje I'm just I'm just looking at it as a MMA analyst mixed martial arts analyst and a person with vast knowledge of the sport. Obviously, anyone can win. Justin Gaethje has really good hands. And not for nothing, Tony Ferguson, he's kind of got a glass jaw. I, I mean, it just it's a fact. It's not to say that, he would, that his lights would go out, but you, if you watch Tony Ferguson's recent fights, he has a way of, if he gets tapped enough with the right shot hits him hits him square enough in the right spot Tony Ferguson stumbles and that's not to say anything against Tony Ferguson just again putting it out there for casual fans that's all it's not 2012 Tony Ferguson is on a win streak that is amazing to watch his personality is up for debate, I guess. With I guess that's a lot of people, especially in the world of mixed martial arts. <laughs> but 
I'm going to say Tony Ferguson, which will set up eventually the matchup of Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Probably in September, and because that's normally what Khabib does. For those who do not know, Khabib practices uh, Islam. He's a, pra- he's a practitioner of the religion of Islam. So he does Ramadan until May 28th. And then he takes the summer off and starts ramping up eventually to be able to fight again. Now, Khabib has come out and said that he'd be ready by July. So maybe we'll get that matchup sooner than we think. We'll see. We can only hope. All I want is both fighters 100%, both fighters at their best, so we can settle this once and for all. This booking, when it comes to pass, what, what will it be? Uh, the eighth time at this point. <laughs> uh, but that will be enjoyable to watch. I am picking Tony Ferguson over Justin Gaethje. All right, everybody, moving right along here. To the return next weekend of NASCAR. Now, I apologize to our NASCAR fans out there. I'm going to say this up front. I don't know all the ins and outs. I do enjoy the sport. I enjoy watching it. I have from a young age. I don't know all the technical terms, all the terminology, things of that nature. I'm not a former... NASCAR uh, crew chief, basically, is what I'm trying to say, but I'm going to give it my best shot. I did really enjoy watching the iRacing series. Uh, Basically, every driver of the NASCAR circuit, along with uh, some retired drivers and other guys in a pro-invitational, but using an online service, iRacing, which was pretty cool to watch especially in a world where we are so so starved for sports of some kind uh had all the drivers riding around or driving uh in a simulator basically uh was really enjoyable to watch but next weekend we're getting back to real racing even though The drivers basically all said that it felt like a real car. I mean, that's what a simulator is supposed to authenticate. It's supposed to make it feel like you're driving a real car or whatever the simulator is on. It's supposed to make it feel like the real thing. Now, obviously, the iRacing series is not, you know, an indicator, end-all, be-all. But if it was, if it was... The entire NASCAR world has to be worried about William Byron right now. I was a fan of his. I started becoming a fan last year. Taylor and I talked about it as I was trying to find some drivers to follow. William Byron is so good. Even even on uh, uh, speedways, uh, shorter tracks like uh, Michigan, Atlanta, uh, super short tracks. Uh, does Darlington count? Uh, again, this is the I'm asking uh, NASCAR fans out there. Does Darlington count? Martinsville, Bristol, road courses. Uh, the Ro- the Charlotte Roval last year, William Byron did well on. Infineon Raceway. William Byron is is a all around driver and a great talent. 
For those of you who did not know, William Byron actually started uh, coming up through the ranks of the iRacing series. And he was so good that he got a shot in a real car after people learned how good he was. And lo and behold, he's driving a NASCAR now. He's at the tip top of motorsports. Uh, crazy journey, right? Let's see here. Run down the list of some other guys I would look out for. I think Kevin Harvick has a strong car this year. I think he's been really fast all the way through, all the way in 2020. I think some people are sleeping on Danny Hamlin. Uh, Hamlin, sorry. Kyle Busch is always a tough driver. He always competes well. He hasn't been winning as much lately as he used to in his younger years. But Kyle Busch is always a formidable, is a formidable champion. Eric Amarola, another one of my favorites. Eric Amarola is really fast on a lot of courses, especially on, say, super speedways or intermediate tracks like your, your Michigan or uh, Kansas or you know places of that nature. Eric Amarola doesn't get enough credit. I think Martin Truex Jr. is being overlooked a little bit. Uh, I believe Truex Jr. was the champion, NASCAR Cup champion from two years ago, I want to say. NASCAR fans out there, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I have that right. And lastly, but not least, uh, definitely not least, one of the greatest winners, one of the greatest champions in definitely my generation, but in NASCAR history, Jimmy Johnson. He hasn't been racing that well on the simulator. Uh, I don't think he had a lot of fun doing it. On the simulator, when the camera would cut into his home and show him driving on the simulator, he was really stone-faced. Maybe that was concentration. Maybe that was focus. I know he's a, he's, he's a good guy and a good person, but it did not look like he was having a lot of fun. Maybe I was wrong. But in the actual cup car, Jimmy Johnson is, I mean, what can be said about him that has never been said? The guy is a force and always has to be thought of as a winner and has potential for uh, the rest of the 2020 season. That's for sure. I think any of these guys that I listed, other than Eric Amarola, I don't think I don't think he has it yet as far as the Cup Series is concerned to challenge for the title. But any of the guys that I named, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and Jimmy Johnson, I think they all could potentially be up there for a race to the chase. Uh, NASCAR's version of playoffs during the final stretch of the year, I think any of those guys are going to be up there. And honestly, I'm hoping Jimmy Johnson finishes out his last year, uh, finishes out his last year strong. For those who do not know, if you're a NASCAR fan, you know, obviously, Jimmy Johnson has decided that he will walk away from driving the cup car. He will retire after this year. Maybe due to the shortened season, even though they have been iRacing every week, it still isn't the same because, you know, some retired guys like Bobby Labonte has been in it for 
uh, every week, and he's been retired for a long time. Jeff Gordon retired a couple of years ago, moved into the broadcasting booth, and Jeff Gordon got in the simulator, I believe it was two weeks ago. Even he got in the simulator and out from the broadcasting booth uh, for one eye race. So it's not quite the same as obviously being in the cup car and getting knocked around, going at uh, 200 plus miles an hour. Oh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who retired a couple of years ago too, he raced in every iRacing race as well in the Pro Invitational. So if Jimmy Johnson does decide to do one more year due to the shortenedness of the Cup Series, again, iRacing, but still it's not the same thing, I would not... I would not mind that. Jimmy Johnson's a great champion, and getting some extra time out of him is good for any racing fan. And I know all of you racing fans out there, all you NASCAR fans out there, definitely agree with me on that. So um, who do you think is going to be up there fighting for the title at the end of the year? You've got my, let's see here, one, two... You've got my six picks for being up there toward the top... Uh, who do you think's going to win? Because I think uh, we're in for some surprises, but next weekend, NASCAR Racing, the Cup Series returns as sports slowly but surely starts to return and slowly be rolled back out, much to the joy of myself, you the listeners, and everybody around the world as the as NASCAR returns to Darlington Raceway. Lastly, but surely not least, the NFL season schedule for 2020 got released uh, a couple days ago. And me being a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, if you guys have been a long-time listener of the show, you obviously know that already. I felt I should go through the Eagles season really quick and kind of mark down and I guess uh, put myself in a bind by uh, talking about the win-loss record. Obviously, there's been no OTAs, no virtual workouts, no nothing. I mean, sports teams are just starting to uh, allow individual training and they're being, you know, take taking their temperature when they get to get to the practice facility and it's it's a scary world out there everybody but slowly but surely we're rolling everything out so who knows what's going to happen whether the NFL season will go ahead as scheduled uh in early September as they normally do with their kickoff game on Thursday or if there will be no fans in the stands, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. There's a lot that could happen in the time from uh, this early May podcast episode, episode 111, and the kickoff of the NFL starting in September. We'll see what happens. But I figured that I would do a little win-loss test with everybody healthy and see what happens. Let's go. Week one at Washington. At Washington. Washington is not a strong club. 
uh, going on the road. That would be a strong win on the road. Definitely opening up the season in good fashion, especially going on the road in week one. Division rival. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Week one, going on the road. You know, fans or no fans. Uh, obviously, no fans in an away environment would definitely help. I don't know if it would help the Rams at home because, you know, their home games are basically away games anyway. hey <laughs> I'm just kidding. Washington week one at Washington. I'm going to say that's a win. Week two, the Rams come to Philadelphia. Jared Goff has gotten a big contract. No Todd Gurley. The wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby at at uh, tight end. I mean, wide receivers, they're okay. The quarterback's still Jared Goff. I think the defense is actually probably better than the offense at this point. Coming to Philadelphia, that's another win. 2-0. Week 3. Versus the Bengals. The Bengals are coming to Philadelphia. Joe Burrow, early start to his career, number one overall pick in the 2020 draft. Joe Burrow falls to the Eagles, 3-0. Week four, on the road to San Francisco, Levi Stadium, the 49ers on Sunday Night Football on NBC. I'm going out on a limb, but that's a win. 4-0. And week five. We come to the first speed bump. October 11th, week five, traveling to Pittsburgh. In the same state, two teams in the same state, Pittsburgh Steelers, Philadelphia Eagles. That's the first loss of the season for the Birds. Currently 4-1. and one. Week 6, Ravens at Philadelphia. Again, without fans, if there's no fans in the stands, who knows how that'll affect, you know, home field advantage, things of that nature. I'm not going to say that the Ravens are going to dip. But, just like Patrick Mahomes after his MVP season, he dipped a little bit. Patrick Mahomes, I mean his... His average level his his median level if you will is phenomenal so will Lamar Jackson's be phenomenal it I'm not gonna say that he's gonna be terrible but I'm gonna say Lamar Jackson's gonna dip a little bit I don't think their run game is so strong um well hopefully their offensive line will probably be you know Adequate in protecting Jackson. Jackson obviously has great escapability. And that Ravens defense is a long way away from the early 2000s Ravens defense, but still not bad. I mean, and even saying not bad, I think is selling it short. But coming to Philadelphia, I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win. Yes, the Eagles will win. Week 7. The Giants come to Philadelphia Thursday night football on Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime, an Amazon Prime game. 
The Giants, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the Giants are trying to get their team together. Uh, Daniel Jones, still a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. He's trying to get better every single year. Saquon Barkley is an amazing runner of the football. His line doesn't really protect him too much. He has to juke and bob and weave through defenders in his own backfield. Saquon Barkley deserves better. Eagles are going to win that one, 6-1. and one. The Cowboys come to Philadelphia, week 8, November 1st, Sunday Night Football. I try to say that, especially in the NFC East in predictions, I try to have the Eagles split uh, most division games. Um, I'm going to say that that one will be a loss. Whether... The Eagles lose to the Cowboys in the home game or the away game is up for debate, but that's going to be 6-2. and two. Week 9 is the Eagles' bye week. Jump ahead. Week 10 at the Giants. Again, trying to do my best and split. So at the Meadowlands, that's going to be a loss, 6-3. and three. Going to the Browns, to Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going to say that's going to be a win. 7-3. Going to the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, ESPN Week 12. The Eagles have to beat the Seahawks one of these times, right? It's going to be tough, especially at Central Link Field. Might not be. Again, I feel like a broken record. Fans, maybe, maybe not. Not having fans would be a good situation for the Eagles. I'm going to say the Eagles steal one, eight and three. At Lambeau Field, Lambeau is always a tough place to play. I'm going to say that's a loss. Let's see here, seven and four. The Saints, that's Homer away. That's a tough game. I'm going to say that's a loss. Eight and five at the Cardinals. I'm actually going to say that one's a win at the Cowboys. I already gave the Eagles their loss to the Cowboys. Ten and five. And finally, ending where we started with Washington, the team out of the U.S. capital, Washington, D.C., Try to split division games, but Washington isn't that great. I even split the Giants. Going to the Meadowlands, I'm not quite sure about that one, but I'm not going to say that Washington is going to split Dwayne Haskins. I'm not a big fan of him. I wasn't high on him coming into the draft either. If you want to listen back to some of our draft uh, preview, our NFL mock drafts, I wasn't high on them then either. I'm not high on them now. I'm not high on that team at all. That's going to be the one team in the division they will not split. The Eagles, as of the moment, will finish 11-5. 
11 and 5 that will probably be good enough to win the division. So I hope I hope against hope that I'm right about that. And man, am I hoping that football does start on time. Well, everybody, that's all I've got on my notes and on the docket for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. I've got nothing else. I'm getting a little tired behind the mic here, but I'm always here and recording wide awake, recording dead asleep, but still do I always bring the same energy for you guys, the fans of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, the faithful listeners. Thank you so much for your listenership. Make sure to share us with your family, your friends, your co-workers, or maybe just somebody that you happen to pass on the street, yeah? Share the podcast that you love, everybody. I'm riding solo. No Taylor Johnson tonight. So that does it for me here. For myself, Blake Plotsky, this has been Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode 111. And I am out. Peace. You're gonna mess me with-